had a chance to get to know some of you guys uh, lately at our house. It's beautiful. I want to invite you to just right now just uh, close your eyes and let's pray over this offering and just ask God to uh, bless it. Father, it really is our joy to worship you with our tithes and our offering. Lord, it is our honor and our, our we, out of gratitude, Father, out of thankfulness, we say thank you for providing every one of our needs. Lord, we've never gone well, without a roof over our head, a bed to sleep in, and a meal, God, you provide. Lord, and we, we esteem you as our provider, our creator, and we just give you back, Father, this 10% uh, to show you, God, we trust you. We really do trust you. In fact, can we all say that as an act of worship? Say, God, we trust you. So, Father, I pray a blessing, Lord, just like your word uh, commands a blessing over every giver uh, this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, we um, are in week five of our sermon series. I've never done five weeks in a sermon series, so hopefully you're not bored out of your mind or anything. Um, but uh, this is week five of launch and don't look back. What, what do you do when God speaks to your heart? What do you do with a, a promise in your heart or a, a, a purpose that you feel from God? Uh, we talked about how to uh, embrace faith and how to kick out fear, right? We looked at the life of Gideon and Abraham and Peter. And today we're going to look at the life of Nehemiah. So just curious, uh, whether you are eight years old or 48, raise your hand if you're familiar a little bit with Nehemiah's story, a little bit, yeah, about two-thirds of you. Well, you're going to hear this story again today. For some of you, it might be the first time or first time in a long time. And it's a powerful story about what God can do with someone who simply says, yes, I believe that you want to do something with my life. And that's the heart of this whole sermon series is that God wants to do special, something special with your life. Okay? So just in case you missed it, turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor, look him in the eyes awkwardly, and say, God wants to do something special with your life. Somebody say, now I got it. All right, you ready now? You ready now? So in your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah 2, and we're going to start with a key scripture, our key scripture, key scripture from the last few uh, weeks won't be on the screen, but it's that we press forward to take hold of uh, the things of God, we forget our past, and we say yes, we move forward, looking ahead, and uh, we leave regret and shame behind, like we talked about the last few weeks, and we go forward. So look at what Nehemiah Chapter 2, verse 17 says, Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them the hand of God that might be, or that might, that had been upon me. Everybody say, it's not might be. Come on, it's not might. The hand of God had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build so they strengthened their hands for the good work. Everybody hold out your hands. God wants to strengthen your hands. I just feel in my spirit, many of you, you've got heavy hands lately. You've got heavy arms. You're trying to worship and you're heavy. How, how many just nod along with me if that's you lately? God is going to strengthen your hands. 
I'm about to jump down there. I'm going to jump right in the baptismal just to make sure you get it. I won't do that. I have a microphone on. Ain't nobody want to get electrocuted on a Sunday morning. God wants to strengthen your hands. Somebody say amen. amen. Thank you. Here we go. All right. The book of Nehemiah. How do we get to this place where he says, let us arise? Well, he is a cupbearer. All right. So this is the guy that literally makes sure the king isn't poisoned. How many say, don't sign me up, right? Okay, so this is the guy that's like, hey, Ralph, we need you to take this juice. We need you to drink it. And an hour later, it's like, hey, Ralph, is your stomach hurting? Do you feel like you might die? No? Feeling good? A little acid reflex, a little ulcer? Nothing? All right. Awesome. Thank you for being our lab rat. And now we're going to give this drink to the king, right? So this is, this is a guy who's serving in the king's palace. And... It's, this is a story about somebody who is so ordinary, but he gets this extraordinary, which I love this, he gets this extraordinary picture in his mind of what the future is supposed to be. Everybody say, got it. Come on. That's what we're talking about all month. Everybody just touch your mind for a second. Well, your temple. <laughs> right here is where God wants to give you a picture of where you're going. Amen? How many were here two weeks ago? We talked about the bridge to nowhere. A lot of people, even Christians, live there. They don't know what God has in store for their future. They're not straining forward like the Apostle Paul for the things of God that Christ has called them heavenward. They're just existing. All right? We don't want to just exist. We want to say, God, what do you have for my life? You're still not with me. I'm going to try this side. We got to say, God, what do you have for my life? Amen. You guys got to out amen them. All right? All right? Next time I'll give you guys a chance. The whole Harnet crew right here, you blew it. But I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. So he knows, Nehemiah knows about the people of God over there in, is, over there in Jerusalem. He knows about uh, what they've been facing and that their walls have been torn down. In 444 B.C., the Persian emperor Artaxerxes granted Nehemiah the freedom to relocate to the Jewish homeland, even appointing him, giving him favor to be the governor of Judah. Once there, Nehemiah led the people, the descendants of the remnant who had returned from exile a century earlier, to rebuild the wall. Why? Because the wall around Jerusalem was totally in shambles. It was torn down. And you have to understand that wall represented, it represented their moral state. Right? It was a picture of how they felt. They felt beaten down, oppressed. The wall was proof of how they felt. How many guys, let, let me just make it really real for you. I just, this is not my sermon, but how many guys have ever worked in an environment where it's like a really low cultural morale. Like you walk in and everybody's like, I don't want to be here. Some of you are like, oh, it's every day right now. Okay. That's how it felt in Jerusalem. Under his direction, which only took 52 days, we see in this story that Nehemiah led a campaign to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the temple, to, or not the temple, to rebuild the walls, the reputation of Jerusalem, and to secure them as God's people. This was a sign of their spiritual plight. 
So the exile to Babylon and the temple's destruction gave them a picture of the consequences of sin. He knew they had blown it. He knew Israel's enemies were defeating them, and he was starting to make it not just their problem, but his problem. And we said this a few weeks ago, often the calling in your life, the purpose of God in your life, because all of you have purpose. Everybody just put your hand right here in your heart. You have a purpose. Jason, you have a purpose. Mark, you have a purpose. You have things, Donna, you have things in your heart. You have people that you're going to impact. There's things that God is going to have you to do, assignments in your life, but God wants to give you a picture of that future and a burden, a desire to get there, a desire to solve that problem. That It's their problem? No, it's not their problem. It's my problem. So he's fine in the palace. And a lot of Christians are just fine. Can I preach yet? Satan's fine with you just showing up to church. As long as you don't lead someone to Jesus, as long as you don't start using your gifts, he's fine with you. He's fine with that. He's fine with you saying, hey, I'll come, I'll just, you know, I'm just going to coast along. Coast, right? When Satan doesn't like is when you say, God, use my life. That's when now, you'll, as you'll see in Nehemiah's story, you might start to feel an attack because you're making progress building the kingdom of God. So he wanted to restore them from apathy, from idolatry, from sin, and from oppression to be the people of God that he knew they could be. A people united in worship to God, Jehovah the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they would restore their identity. All of us can lead people, all of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you too. All of us can influence others for Christ. We talked about that last week, right, with Simon Peter. All of us. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, that's just not my personality. Listen, Jesus chose a tax collector, Peter, a fisherman with a temper and a big mouth, right? How many, when I was telling you about Peter, you're like, yeah, that's, that's kind of you. How many got the big mouth? Anybody? Come on. Come on. Right? <laughs> I saw a lot of you nudge your spouse. That was funny. You should see my perspective. It's really funny being a pastor. Some of you are picking your nose. I see you in the back. It's fine. I won't call you out. Back row. Just kidding. Just joking. All right. And our story of Nehemiah, you have to keep in mind that Babylon, who had taken over, represents the world's way of thinking, a lust for power. But God was restoring their identity as a separate people unto himself, and Nehemiah had a burden now to see them restored. He was no longer thinking about himself, but about others. And that is how you grow as a Christian. A sign of you growing as a Christian is when you enter work and you care about others. Come on, can I preach to you? You enter church and you care about others. That's how, you're grow that's how you know you're growing as a Christian. Amen? 
So he starts caring about them. God put this burden in his heart, and he approaches the king. He approaches the king. Now, what do you think the king says? This is the guy who's the lab rat. Uh, hey, king, I'm the guy who makes sure you're not poisoned, and I know my life is worth nothing to you. By the way, can I have a lot of money? <laughs> I, I want to go rebuild the walls around my ancestor, my family. It's back there in Jerusalem. It's God's people. Now, how many of you realize, raise your hand if you realize the king could have had him thrown in a dungeon. Come on, raise your Listen. Right? Oh, I hope you guys don't miss this. This is, this is so good. Here's what happens. He goes to the king. Right? You're into this story. I see it here. He's like, you ready? You can come up and help me preach one day. I see that on you. All right. So he goes to the king. And the king says, sure. Well, I need like a lot of timber. You can have it. Well, I might get attacked on my way. Can I have like a bunch of palace guards? Sure. It's like when your kids come ask you for $5 and you hand it to them and then like, can I have 20? How many got kids? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know. And he's given favor. A lot of times people don't step out to do the thing God wants them to do because they think, I don't have the money, and they stop. Vision never requires money. Passion never requires money. I hope you're hearing me. The king had the money. Guys, God has all the money. He just wants you to say yes. He just wants you to believe him and to do say, I can be used in the kingdom of God to build the kingdom of God. So he goes and he says, hey, uh, please don't kill me. Uh, and can I have a lot of stuff? Can I have the timber? Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have palace officials? And the king just keeps going, yes, yes, yes. Come on, that's favor. That's favor. That's supernatural favor from God. Guys, last week someone just randomly wrote a check from like, I don't know, how many, 5,000 miles away to the Warren campus. And, and Andrew texted me, he's like, what? I'm like, what? Turn to your neighbor and say, what? Whoa, that was actually pretty good. We got some singers in here. I was like, soprano, okay. We often stop right before God wants to do something with our life with all of our excuses as why it won't work out. Don't we? God says, hey, I want you to start a nonprofit. God says, hey, I want you to start Harriet Tubman. God says, hey, I want you to, and a lot of times we stop and we say, I can't. I don't have a degree. I don't have enough money. And God's like, why? <laughs> Remember last, who was here last week? Right? We come up with all of our excuses like Gideon instead of just saying yes to God. And we often tend to look at these people in the Bible that we've been talking about. Abraham, David, Gideon. And we think, well, that's, that's Moses. Guys, Moses was a stuttering murderer. And we think, well, that's David. David was an artist with daddy issues. 
Turn to your neighbor, say, yeah, him too. Nehemiah was a lab rat. God can use your life to build his kingdom in a powerful, amazing way. Now, here's the thing. Here's when the story turns, though. When God all of a sudden gives you that favor and you say yes and you start going for it and God says, let's go, Satan isn't happy. Now there's a target on your back. How many guys have ever had the, the target on your back? Come on, you know. How many in the last month you've had the target on your back? And you're like, Lord Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Sometimes like, Jesus, take the whole car, you know, because I'm, I'm about to wreck. You know? So what happens next? He gets some people come after him. I want to tell you about a story with, with, with in the parables, but I don't have time, so I'm going to go right to it. I want you to hear this from Nehemiah 9, 17. I want you to understand how Nehemiah views God. One of the things I say a lot here is the way you view God is the most important thing in your life. Because the way you view God determines how you view yourself and how you view others. And your perspective of yourself and others, that, that's how you live. That's you, we always behave according to what we believe. Amen? So how you view God... How do you view God? Elijah, how do you view God? Jimmy, how do you view God? Do you view God like this? Nehemiah says, you are forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Gracious, abounding in love and slow to anger. How many of you are so glad God didn't write you off when you asked for a 19th chance? Right? He's so slow to anger and abounding in love. And Nehemiah understands this and he says, God, I know these people have messed up. I know they're fragmented. They, they're, they're fighting. They're, some of them are still worshiping, by the way. Some of them are still in idolatry. But if you'll give me a chance, I'm going to go. I'm going to remind them of who you are. I'm going to call them to repentance. I'm going to call them back to worship to you. And God, if you'll let us, we're going to rebuild the wall and we will become your people again. And it's not for his glory. By the way, what did we say two weeks ago? Your promise, the thing, the blessing of God in your life, like Abraham, it's never for you. It just goes through you. It's for others. I'm only going to ask you to talk to your neighbor one more time. Say the blessing. Look at him and say the blessing. It's not for you, it's for others. Because remember, remember it's, we, we all want to be like, no, I want to talk about me. You want to talk about I, I want to talk about number, right? No, God says, no, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. So Nehemiah goes there. He takes all of this uh, equipment from the palace. He shows up, he prays, he gets them to believe what God wants them to believe, right? And they start to build the wall. When they start to build the wall, there's these two punks that show up, Samballot and Tobiah. By the way, if you're about to name your child, you're about to have a kid, I would not choose Samballot 
or Tobiah. That's a bad idea. That's why we pick like Matthew, John, right? Because Samballot and Tobiah, just not good. They show up and they're just sarcastic. Everybody just give me your best sarcastic face. Just come on, the face your teenager gives you when you tell them to take out the trash or whatever. They show up. They got their hands on it. This is like, this is like Karen to the max. You think you're going to build that wall in 52 days. I bet a fox would climb on that wall and knock it down. It's about to be gold for you. Ready? Grab your iPhone, grab your pen, and write this down. If you're really cynical towards everyone else's dreams, it's because you're not working on your own. I'm too busy doing what God's asked me to do to be cynical about what you're doing. Come on. Somebody say amen. amen. If, all, if, if you find that your day is constantly in your mind judging other people, what you're doing wrong is what you're doing wrong is what you're doing wrong. I got a list. I got a blacklist. These are 100 people who are screwing up. You guys think I'm joking. I've seen pastors do this. They use the pulpit to tell you about every other pastor. That's not, that's not the job. The job of the pulpit is to talk about the gospel. It's to talk about Jesus. Jesus. Come on, everybody say Jesus. And if you will get busy doing the good work God asks you to do, you'll find joy in doing the good work God wants you to do. And you won't be sad because sadness and all that and oppression, depression comes from just looking around and just saying, you, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Everybody just go like this with me. Yeah, it's just not fun. Right? That's what they're doing. And there's three things that the enemy does. There's three things. Here we go. They come up to him and they attack Number one, through intimidation. Number two, infiltration. And number three, isolation. Let me say it again. Intimidation, infiltration, isolation. Oh, I missed a good point. I missed a good point. Earlier, let's just back up for a minute. When he goes up to the king, you know what the king says to him? What do you want? Do you know a lot of Christians can't answer that question? What do you want? Because you're so busy. You, you have your nine to five. You got the kids stuff. You finally get the kids to bed. Come on, somebody say amen. Your eyes are bloodshot. Turn on Dateline, Netflix, and you zonk out. Somebody's like, I just got a picture into Jordan's life. <laughs> All right. If the king were to come to you right now and say, God wants to use me to give you favor, what do you want? Could you answer that? Nehemiah could. Why? He had been in prayer. Your promise, the thing God wants you to do, always comes in prayer. Amen? Because he was in prayer, he knew what God wanted him to do. So when the favor came, he answered it. 
What if, right, what if today God were to stand before you and say, what do you want? Dennis, what do you want? Carrie, what do you want? Because a lot of us, we might say, and we think for a minute, and then we're like, you know what? We do, I'll tell you what, what, I want my kids to serve the Lord. I mean, that's great. I want a Ferrari. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, just joking. But you start to say, God, what do I want? And for everybody, it's different. And for some of you, it might be, I want to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I want to solve the orphan crisis. Or I have a, a, a need, I have a love for special needs kids. Or I want to impact uh, missions. Or I want to build a business that impacts missions. I want to uh, build a dentistry. I want to build an agriculture farm. I want to, to build a landscaping business. God, is this in your heart? Because your plans always need to line up with God's heart. Let me make sure that, say it again. Your plans always need to line up with God's heart. What's God's heart? Everybody would turn to him. All right? So what do you want? Write that down. If you're taking notes or you got your iPhone or a pen, write down, what do you want? Can you answer that? And does it line up with God's heart? So let's hit these real quick. Real quick. Here we go. Because we got baptism day. It's going to be awesome. And no one will get electrocuted in the name of Jesus. Intimidation. Satan will tell you all the reasons why you're too weak, too poor, too dumb, not smart enough to fulfill the promise on your life. He'll either tell you this directly to your mind, tempting you to think all these thoughts about yourself, anything to stop the promise of God filling your life. He'll try his best that you would live through the lens of shame instead of the truth of grace. Grace makes you perfectly clean. Come on, let me say it again. If you live in the lens of the law, you already feel so judged that you won't move forward. But if you really understand grace and you see that when God the Father looks at you, he sees his son Jesus. I mean, do you really believe that right now, today, January, what's the date? 30th? Awesome. January 30th, you are sin free. So we're like, no. No, 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 Pastor, you don't know what I did last month. Everybody stand up for a second. You guys got to get this. Grace has made you forgiven. Have you already repented of that sin? Come on, raise your hand. Has God said Jesus paid it all? Did Jesus mean it when he said in Hebrews 6 through 8 that Jesus is the older brother that has gone before you to make you perfectly righteous and a brother or sister of him? Amen. Did Hebrews say that he is the perfect high priest offering a sacrifice once and for all? Amen. Do you believe that? Okay, now I sit down. So that means there is no lie of shame that should intimidate you to stay where you are. Come on, I hope you get this. There's no lie of shame from the enemy that should be able to tell you, hey, because of what you did in 1988, because of what you did in 1995, whatever, like 
You can't do that for God. That's where you just punch the devil in the face. Come on. You know? You say, you are a liar. Intimidation. Number two, in infiltration. Nehemiah said, watch and pray. It sounds a lot like Jesus' instructions to the disciples. Watch and pray. Watch and pray and then act. In chapter 415, he stationed every family along the wall. Each to their own work. We pre I preached about Nehemiah about three years ago, I think. And if you remember this, he asked each family to have with them a shovel and a sword. And each family was to watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. Say watch and pray. Be observant of what God is trying to do around you and pray. What is my part in it? Number three, the third way Satan tries to attack you, the enemy comes to attack you, is isolation. Now these three points, if you, might, you guys might have been here in early 2019, I had preached, um, I'm re-preaching re this, this, this three points right here. Isolation, this was before the pandemic. And I'm looking back, and I'm like, Lord, I want to preach about Nehemiah. I'm going to go back and I want to see what I said. And I saw this isolation. I thought, man, can I be real with y'all? Is anybody okay with me being real? I know it's a real pandemic. Come on, don't, don't, but I know it's a real thing. But Satan wants to get you to be so alone and shut off from the world. Come on, everybody say isolation. If he can get you isolated, it's such a subtle attack. It's so subtle. Let's pick up at verses 18 through 20 of chapter 4. The man sounded the trumpet beside me. I said to the officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and it widely spread and we're separated from one another. Everybody say separated. Come on, how many got like Zoom disease? You're done with, who's done with Zoom? Who, who's ever had like the, the Zoom migraine after like eight hours? Your eyes are like crossed. Anybody? <laughs> Just me and Donna? Awesome. Okay. They're separated from each other. In the place where you heard the sound of the trumpet rally, God will fight for us. So we labored at the work. Half of them held spears until the break of dawn. And I said, let every man and his servant pass the night with Jerusalem. They will be a guard for us and labor throughout the day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants who followed me, none of us took off our armor, we kept our weapon in hand. Picture this, they're scattered. Nehemiah says you need to gather. And then what? At the sound of my trumpet, we're going to worship. Doesn't that sound like Gideon? Come on. Worship unites you like nothing else. Let me say that again. You're fighting with your spouse? Put on some worship music. 
right? You're fighting with your, let me say it again. You're fighting with your spouse, put on some work. Try to fight with Maverick City on. Come on, I dare you. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's preaching good. This is for you. I mean, say, this is for me. This is for me. There's a lot, of, a lot of bickering going on at work. Take a little speaker. Ask your boss first. But Take a little speaker. Put on some worship music and watch the atmosphere change. Worship unites you like nothing else. And Satan wants you to be isolated, isolated, and only thinking about yourself. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Everybody just pull your toes in. Pull them in. Satan wants you to be isolated with your head down, only thinking about yourself. And what does God do? God looks down at Gideon and says, hey, look up. God says to Nehemiah, hey, over in Jerusalem, they're suffering there. You and I, we can go do something about it. Amen? So let's put up these three again. I apologize, I didn't put them on the screen. I just have the, the, the header there, but say this with me. Intimidation? Maybe hold up your hands. It'll help you remember, maybe. Intimidation? Infiltration? Isolation. You know what's amazing about Sam Ballot and Tobiah? As you guys are reading this later, maybe you go into it with your life group, is the number of lies that were told about Nehemiah. Sam Ballot and Tobiah come up to them while they're building and they say, You stole from the king. Now, who gave Nehemiah? All the king's palace, the guards, the timber, and the resources. Who gave it to him? One more time. Say the king. And Sanballat and Tobiah, because they're not busy doing what they should be doing, come out and say these ridiculous things. Now, who would say Nehemiah could be tempted to quit, be discouraged? And some of you are there this morning. And the reason I'm ending this series with this is God, sometimes we step out to do this thing that God has asked us to do. And I want to tell you that it will be hard at times. And there will be a temptation to quit. But that's when you remember that Jesus is in the boat with you. That God is with you. God, what does God say to Abraham? What does God say to Gideon? I will be with you. What does God say to Nehemiah? I'm going to be with you. So when you step out for God, you're actually stepping out with God. Let me say that again. When you step out for God, you're stepping out with God. Hand in hand, arm in arm. And can I just say, when you do that, like Sam Ballot and Tobiah, I have news for you. Everybody just lean in. Ready? This is going to be a deep revelation. This is going to be so deep. People say dumb things. Has anybody ever had somebody say something really dumb to you? You're like, I'm going to give you the five-fold ministry. Ah. 
Such a cheesy joke, sorry. Such a pastor joke. How many of you have ever like, you are, you are doing your thing for Jesus and somebody says something so dumb? Anybody? What's sad is a lot of people will even leave Christianity and they'll leave God. They'll leave the church over that. So I want to encourage you. When one human, and I'm going to say human on purpose, because there's seven billion, there's only one God. When one human says something dumb to you, don't let that stop the dream God put in you. You're not going to stand before them on judgment day. You stand before God. And I know it's easy. I was talking with the pastor yesterday, going through a lot of junk unnecessarily. It's very easy to play the wheels of what Sam Ballot and Tobiah have said. Everybody just spin the wheels right now. Put your, put your hands up to your temple right here. Spin the wheels. How many know what I'm talking about? And some of you are still being healed of wounds from what somebody said in a church 10 years ago. Just nod at me. Why? Because the enemy wants you to replay, replay, loop, loop, loop. Because if he can get you to do that, and if he can stop you from getting the healing that you need in your heart, he'll steal all your joy and more importantly, stop you from doing the thing that God wants you to do. Let me say all that again, because I want you to get this. Stand up to your feet, and we're going to go into baptism in a minute. If Satan can get you to loop the video, by the way, I've done it. You guys know pastors aren't, like, perfect, right? You guys know that. that. That Bible college degree on the wall of my office, it doesn't stop me from being tempted to believe dumb things. Now, don't amen that, Paul. That was inappropriate. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just telling you, I'm trying to be real with you because all of us face that. And what's so sad is when someone is starting out to do something for God and somebody with a really messed up worldview says something dumb and then that hurtful thing stops that Christian from being and doing what God asked them to do. How about we say this morning, no more to that. I'm not going to live in the voice of my enemy. I'm not going to let the voice of my enemy play over in my head and steal my joy. Come on, if you're, if you're with me, just raise your hand. You say, I'm not going to let the enemy steal my joy and stop me from saying yes to the thing God has for me. Amen. God has unique, special things for each of you, things I don't know about. Things that your neighbor, that your boss, that some of your closest friends don't know about, yet God knows about it in there. God knows it's in there. It's a picture of your future. Or right now, it just starts as a, something in your heart. It's a conflict. It's something you say, somebody should do something about that. That's you. If you're thinking, somebody should do something about it, God's going, you are the one. Right? 
And don't let, don't let him get, say, well, what about what people said? What about, stop that voice and say, I believe what Jesus has said about me. I believe I am forgiven and I'm a child of God. Come on, I feel like, I feel like we need to confess this. Something happens, by the way, when we say it out loud. Say this when they say, God, I believe what you said about me. Can we say it again? God, I believe what you have said about me. I'm forgiven. I'm completely loved. I'm given a hope and a future. I'm given a promise. I'm given an older brother named Jesus. I have a hope of heaven. I have something special to steward while I'm here on earth. God loves me. God even likes me. Some of you, that's a deep revelation. You think you really annoy God. Well, some of you do. But no, I'm just kidding. You don't. You don't. With all of your quirks and your requests and everything that you are, God loves that. God loves the unique things about you and he's got special things in your future. And when we say yes to him though, I wanna tell you, this is why we're ending the series with Nehemiah's story because I am telling you, it will get hard. Right, Nate and Noel, right? You open that campground and wait a minute, we got enemies everywhere. Where did those people come from? Right? Suddenly you got city officials that didn't even know, they don't even know that they're a city official. The story for another day. <laughs> Things will come against you, but if God is for us, come on, let's say it again. You guys fill in the blank. Here we go. If God is for us, one more time. If God is for us, Nehemiah went with all the king's favor, all the king's resources. And they rebuilt the reputation and the wall in 52 days. That's crazy. In less than two months, the people of God were restored. God can do amazing things. What did we say when we opened this series? We said, God can do more with your life than you ever imagined. You can go ahead and be seated. We're going to end this with a baptism. Come on up. Tim and the crew. This is one of the coolest things that we get to do as a body of believers is to do water baptism. So I had a great talk with these guys after church. Yeah, come on up. Can you guys give these guys a hand? It's one of the greatest privileges. Can you hold this for me for a moment? Is to baptize. Uh, come right back here. I want them, these guys to be able to see you. Um, I got to know them. I actually got to know him a, maybe a month ago, uh, having some, some meals with him and hearing his testimony. So powerful. And then last week we were talking about what God's done in our life and the joy that Jesus has brought and it is beautiful and priceless. In fact, what God is doing in this whole family, can we just praise God what God's doing in this whole family? Actually, can you guys maybe scoot down? Out of the way, you guys can get a front row seat. Yeah, come on, we'll squeeze in. Yeah, we're family, we're family. There you go. 
Awesome. So what I wanna have you do is just briefly share uh, your name and when you committed or recommitted your life to Christ. Oh, sorry, one second. Try it now. I'm Timothy Byler, and I committed my life to Christ at an immerse. It was actually my first immerse here in last August. Come on, let's praise God. I'm Christina, and I gave my heart to Jesus last April. It's awesome. And like I said, it's been really cool to see what God's been doing in their life through United Worship and, and through this family of believers. And it's been really cool. It's a story for another day, but what God has done to give family, this family, family. I'm talking like really cool things that we'll talk about another day, really beautiful things. So Timothy, come on in here and uh, I'm gonna have you uh, kneel down and put or sit down, yeah, I'm sorry, and step forward a little bit, yeah. I know it's probably not, oh, it is kind of warm. Thank you, Mick. Mick made it like a hot tub up in here. Thanks, brother. All right, so you're gonna put this hand on this nose here and put this hand right on this arm and we're gonna baptize. Father, can you guys reach your hands this way? Father, I thank you for what you've been doing in Timothy's life. Timothy, let no one look down on you because you are young, but set an example for all believers in your faith and your speech. God's gonna use your life powerfully, Timothy. God's gonna use your life powerfully. You're totally surrendered to him. And today does mark a new day, a new day with the Lord and a new season. And I'm just believing that just like Jesus stepped into the miraculous right after his water baptism, that you too will step into the miraculous. So Timothy, upon your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hold on, we need to get you all the way. We gotta go all the way. Here we go. Woo! There you go. Amen. We don't do anything half-hearted here. We got to do double dunk if we don't get you all the way. There you go. Praise God. All right, come on over here. All right, you can sit down right here. And do you want your glasses? Yeah. You guys, reach your hands this way. And you just put your hand on your nose here and your other hand on your arm. Yeah. Father, I thank you for new life. Thank you for what they were telling me last week, Lord, in the cafe, just about the joy, the freedom from shame and obligation. God, that you are a father and you don't aim to control us, but to love us and to lead us, to provide for us, to care for us, and to give us a hope and a future. You call us family. You call us sons and daughters, sons and daughters and your family. Thank you, Father. Upon your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's praise Him. Yep. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise.
Thank you. I want to invite you guys to stand up. And I just want to give you an opportunity because we don't want any service to go by without giving a chance for you to know Jesus Christ. It's possible it's your first time here or first time in a long time. And I just want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. Would you just bow your heads right now? Close your eyes. If this morning you were hearing about the goodness of God, you're hearing about what God wants to do, that God wants to give you a hope and a future, and that God forgives you and makes you perfectly clean. And when everybody stood up around you and we talked about God's grace, forgiving them and making them into a child of God, perfectly loved, as loved as Jesus, and you thought, I need that. If you're here and you thought, I need that, I need to be forgiven, I need to be a child of God, would you raise your hand nice and high and I want to pray a prayer of salvation. give you just another minute here. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you did when you were a teenager, but now years later you realize you've not been living for him and you want to give your life to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity. You can be forgiven, fully forgiven, because you're unconditionally loved and God can make you into a new person right now. So Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that like Nehemiah, you can do something extraordinary with us ordinary people. And God, we wanna repent for any time that we've stepped into those traps of intimidation, of infiltration, of isolation. Lord, your word says that, that sin is missing the mark. God, where faith is saying yes, to what you want and yes to what you said. So Father, we will actually we want to repent. If that's you, if you just want to join me, God, I, I repent for at times living in isolation or living in fear and not moving forward in faith. God, this is our corporate prayer today that you make us new, that you fill us with faith because you fill us with love that drives out all fear. In fact, can we make this an all-together prayer? Say, God, you fill me with faith because you fill me with love, which drives out all fear. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 What a great day. Hey, love you guys, and I will see you next week or at that prayer training. That class is full, so don't try to register for that, by the way. It's totally full, but we'll do another one soon. All right, guys, have a great week. Yeah, next week you'll be hearing from Pastor Mark, so that'll be a treat. For those of you that know Pastor Mark, it's going to be a treat.